at a really deep level. All right. Today is May 1st, 2022. We are reading from the big book of AA, beginning on pages, page 80, uh, first paragraph, beginning with before taking drastic action, to and including page 81, whatever the situation. Nilda will be our speaker. Uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, I beg your pardon. Uh, Sharon will be our reader of our text, followed by a 20 minute share by uh, Nilda. Uh, so, uh, Sharon, would you like to uh, begin the reading? I thank you, Michael. Sharon, a W compulsive overeater uh, recovered in California. Before taking drastic action, which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. If we have obtained permission, have consulted with others, asked God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. This brings to mind a story about one of our friends. While drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. He felt that he had done a wrong he could not possibly make right. If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? After consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion that it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator guilty of such ruinous slander. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands, or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. He attended church for the first time in many years. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. His action met widespread approval, and today he is one of the most trusted citizens of, of his town. This all happened years ago. The chances are that we have domestic troubles. Perhaps we are mixed up with women in a fashion we wouldn't care to have advertised. We doubt if... In this respect, alcoholics are fundamentally much worse than other people. But drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. After a few years with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out, resentful, and uncommunicative. How could she be anything else? The husband begins to feel lonely, sorry for himself. He commences to look around in the nightclubs or their equivalent for something besides liquor. Perhaps he is having a secret and exciting affair with the girl who understands. In fairness, we must say that she may understand, but what are we going to do about a thing like that? A man so involved often feels very remorseful at times, especially if he is married to a loyal and courageous girl who has literally gone through hell for him. Whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. If we are sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? Not always, we think. If she knows in a general way that we have been wild, should we tell her in detail? Undoubtedly, we should admit our fault. She may insist on knowing all the particulars. She will want to know who the woman is and where she is. We feel we ought to say to her that we have no right to involve another person. 
We are sorry for what we have done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. More than that, we cannot do. We have no right to go further. Though there may be justifiable exceptions, and though we wish to lay down no rule of any sort, we have often found this the best course to take. Thank you so much for reading. Uh, and uh, now it is my uh, pleasure uh, to introduce our speaker, uh, Nilda. Uh, Nilda, you'll be sharing for 20 minutes. Would you like a, a five minute warning? Yes, Would please. That be helpful? Yes, please. All righty. Um, so folks, I, uh, I give you Nilda. Thank you, Nilda. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Kim. My name is Nilda. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, you have to forgive me. I'm extremely nervous. <laughs> so um, I took a few notes so that I could stay on course because when I get nervous, I tend to drift off. So um, my abstinence date is February 14th, 2021. Um, I do have a sponsor uh, and I speak to her frequently. I um, <clears throat> have been coming to Cherry Hill for quite some time in and out. But um, this is the first time that I've ever taken this seriously. So I'll tell you a little bit about my experience before I share on the reading. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people, I think this is one of the reasons why I thought I didn't belong here. Um, I hear a lot of people share about, um, you know, being overweight when they were young and having trouble with food from the very beginning. And that was not my story. So it was easy for me to compare myself. Uh, to people in a way and, and think that I didn't belong here. Um, you know, I grew up in Camden, very, very uh, poor. Um, we didn't have a lot of food and the things that we ate were uh, sustaining, but they um, were the things that I don't eat today, you know, and I, I really wasn't willing to let them go because they were the only thing that got us through my childhood. You know, it was a very tumultuous upbringing and um, there was a lot of stuff going on in the house, abuse and things like that. So early on, I did not turn to food because there was none. <laughs> I turned to other things and, um, I made my way to OA through another fellowship. Um, so when I first got here, I really didn't think I belonged here because, um, I never struggled with those issues, uh, early in life. However, I definitely belong here. So, um, let's see, um, my relationship with food didn't start until I was two years uh, sober in another program, roughly around two years. Uh, when I first got sober in that other fellowship, I gained 70 pounds in one year. I had immediately turned to food, I guess, um, since the absence of alcohol, which is a bunch of sugar, <laughs> um, I just turned to food. And um, those 70 pounds that I gained, I gained them very quickly and um, I was struggling with it. And I remember, um, actually, I don't remember. I don't know how I got to OA. I keep trying to, I know it was God, but I keep trying to pinpoint the day that I met the person that told me to go to OA. But for some reason, that thought is not coming to my mind. I've tried to remember, but maybe I'm just not meant to know right now. So more will be revealed, but I do remember my first meeting of OA was in uh, Cherry Hill at Jefferson. Um, well, it was Kennedy, I think, at the time. I think now it's called Jefferson. But and it was upstairs, and they were, you know, redoing. It was hard to get to it. And um, I remember 
that my first sponsor in OA was Maria Kay. She was very special to me. And, um, you know, a lot of people knew her in, in OA and, and, and she meant business. I used to call her the hammer. I think I wasn't the only person that called her the hammer, but I was, um, I was extremely intimidated by the women in here who were doing what they were supposed to be doing to stay abstinent. And um, I think it's because I wasn't willing and it doesn't matter how great your sponsor is. Um, if you're not willing, you're not willing. And I wasn't. And um, I didn't really think I belonged. I was in and out of OA a bunch of times. And I know that um, I was really trying to control uh, my food. I remember that um, when I heard about weighing my, the foods that I, I, I was supposed to eat, I wasn't willing to do that. Um, when I made the list of the foods that I knew I would binge on, I wasn't completely honest about it. I definitely did not want to commit my food to another person. I thought they were judging me, um, very self-centered, very um, concerned. I remember one time, um, I laughed it off, but I remember being really upset. I was um, doing step work with Maria in a church um, somewhere in Malton, I think we were, Prince of Peace or something like that. And um, you know, I remember doing that work with her and I was having a hard time breathing and she was like, well, what's the matter? And I said, well, I have this, um, basically it's like a girdle and it was squeezing me so bad and I could not breathe, you know, because it, it was, it's, it's intended to do that, to bring your waist in. And, um, and I was taking a lot of laxatives to lose weight and I was having a hard time just sitting there to not, this is embarrassing stuff, you know, uh, having to use the bathroom, but not wanting to tell her that this was the reason why. And so when I admitted it to her, she was like, wow, the lengths that we will go to, uh, to look good. And, um, and I, you know, the first time I heard the came here for the vanity and stayed for the sanity, it made so much sense to me. It really did. But I wish I could say that that was, you know, where my abstinence started, but it wasn't, you know, and um, those are things that I no longer do but uh, it took me a long time to get there. So <clears throat> I will say that even though I was in and out, there were many women, um, some on this meeting now that never stopped reaching out to me. And that was awesome because in my mind, the perception that I had of OA was that they didn't like me and they were too serious. And they, notice I keep saying they, and I, um, <clears throat> I'm, I feel more comfortable in AA but I could not stay abstinent in AA. I just couldn't do it. No matter how many times I tried to take, just work my own program and take the word alcohol and put food in there while sitting in a meeting, it was not going to happen. I wasn't, you know, the singleness of purpose piece was very important. And I, I just didn't know that I, I was lying to myself. And, um, you know, I, I really wasn't, uh, I thought it was unfair. I remember having a moment in here where I thought, so I had to, I had to, uh, give up other things and now I have to give up food too. And I, I remember being upset with God about it. Like, why do I have to have so many addictions? Um, once one hole gets filled with something, the other one empties out. And I just felt very self, a lot of self-pity, a lot, a lot of why, woe is me. And, you know, but what I've come to realize this time is that I'm, I, I got lucky that I had more to work on because then it made me dig deeper in my program. And, um, it really did. And, and what drew me back to you got honestly is this this Zoom meeting was um it was very powerful. And another Zoom meeting that I attend um is just the fact that I can um 
I can now see that you guys are not, <laughs> you guys are not what I thought you were. You're not super serious. You are loving and you are a fellowship just as much as AA is. And I, I don't know what was so hard for me to see. Like I had to change the glasses, you know? So, um, all right, getting into like how the rest of it, I, I had to, like I said, I had to take notes cause I was very nervous. So, um, that first year of, uh, of when I gained the 70 pounds or the first year and a half to two years when I gained those 70 pounds and I was packing on all this weight. Um, I just remember I had never uh, been with my husband. I was married at the time. I had never been with my husband um, without having a substance in my body. And so now I am sober and I am eating uh, like crazy and gaining a lot of weight very quickly. And I remember, um, you know, I have experienced trauma in my childhood, extreme trauma. And I remember that being sober and not having a substance in my body was making it very difficult for me to be intimate with my husband. And food was my safety net. I just ate and ate and ate until I got so big that he didn't even wanna touch me. And maybe he did, I don't know, but I made myself feel so yucky that like I would keep him at arm's length. I didn't even sleep on this. You know, our bed was a big bed and I, I would, if I could go any further off the bed, I'd be on the floor. I was just not, you know, I would go to bed with extra clothing on, you know, and this is my husband, you know, he was, well, he's my ex-husband now, but he was a very loving, very kind hearted person. And he would have loved me just the way I was, but I had myself believing that if I did all of this, he would stay away. And there was something in the reading that said about, you know, using my own wrongdoing as a mean of destroying his reputation. So when I came into way and started to lose a little weight, because I was, you know, trying to control my eating, um, I was starting to get attention. And uh, an old boyfriend came back into my life. And um, I had manipulated the situation with my husband to the extent that, like, um, we got into an argument and I, you know, I said, we need to separate. And I wasn't even separated from him for 2.5 seconds before I slept with this other person because I got this attention now and I'm losing weight and, I, you know, I think I can do this. And, and um, what I did was um, I love that line. You know, I used my own wrongdoing as a means of destroying his reputation. Like I, I had done all these things to push him away. And then when he you know, decided we're going to get a divorce. I'm going to, you know, he met someone new. I told everybody that he's leaving me for her. I never mentioned what I had done. I never mentioned my part in it at all. Mind you, I am in AA, supposedly working a program and um, I'm just allowing them to believe that he's this bad person and tainting his reputation for leaving me with the children and leaving to be with this other woman when that is not what happened. But it took me step work, real thorough, fearless step work to realize that I had manipulated that whole situation and made everyone think that he was the bad guy. And I basically forced him to divorce me, but I wanted the words to come out of his mouth so that I could look like the victim. And, you know, I've been saying I'm a victim all my life, you know, and I remember one at one point thinking like, I spent so much time as a child being hungry. Why do I have to go hungry now? And that's because I was thinking that it was a, a punishment to not eat certain foods. And it's really not, but I couldn't see that. I really could not see that. And um, the secret and exciting affair um, 
that hit me real hard. Um, there was something, you know, very, uh, I don't know, um, it made me feel alive that, that I was finally getting this attention and that um, I, 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 I was like, I can't be 100% like a saint. You know, I, I'm not, the, even this, the promises to us, we're not gonna be saints, you know? And I was like, I could, I could do this in, in, in terms of like sleeping with another person while we were separated because I justified a lot of things. And, you know, I just, it was terrible. Um, fast forwarding to um, when it became time to make amends and, um, and fix some things, you know, eventually we got divorced and, um, and uh, we became, we became friends and uh, we never spoke about the incident with uh, when I, when I had an affair and I, and I know that he had some inclination of what happened, but um, we never spoke about it. And I remember having a sponsor and saying like, this is what I did. And, and um, what should I do? And I didn't make any, take any steps before uh, without her consultation and without praying about it. And, um, and it turned out that it wasn't the right thing to do to tell him about something in such detail and hurt him. You know, this was years before when I, and I, it wasn't the right time. So I re just remember hearing, I cannot save my behind at the expense of, of just because I wanted to you know, and I kept saying in my mind, I was like, but damn, how free do I want to be? And, and, you know, I didn't have to go there with him. I didn't have to go there with him. And um, I also remember that when I was working at a doctor's office, I was taking a lot of, um, doing a lot of unethical things and I wasn't living right. And I remember um, that there was something in particular that I had done that could, uh, I could get in real trouble for, real trouble for. And I remember, um, asking my sponsor, like, how do I go back to this doctor and tell him that I did this thing? And she said, um, first you need, I was still married at the time. She said, first you need to go ask your husband if he's willing to raise the children while you're in prison. And I was like, damn, this makes so much sense that I would need some outside direction before I make moves. And I was never willing to do that in a way. I don't want someone else telling me how to live my life. I don't want to tell you what I'm eating today. I don't want, I don't want, and notice how many times I say, I, 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 I don't want, I don't want. And like, it got real old, real fast. No wonder I was never getting well in a way, you know, because I was, I was just unwilling, unwilling. And I wasn't, it was too painful to see all the ways that all the underlying motives of how I was living, all of the ways that I show up in relationships with other people, doing the steps in a way, was a whole new, I like leveled up because there were some things that I was doing surrounding food that I had no idea were affecting my relationships. And here I am priding myself on working the steps in another fellowship, but still living this life. No wonder I felt disconnected from God. No wonder, no wonder. So um, let me make sure I stay on track. I'm sorry. Um, oh yeah, that was one of the things I want to talk about. That line that said, we place the outcome um in God's hands or I'll eat again well it says or I'll drink again but I uh you know I had to change the words and when I did the book came alive I never I had never actually took taken the word alcohol out and wrote in my big book food but wow I had cried so many times reading it with the word food in there I was like damn I was way sicker than I was willing to admit and so um yeah uh I had to do 
what was being suggested of me and leave it to God. And sometimes I'm still afraid to do that. There are times where like um, it was saying that the, he thought that something, the guy in the book was saying that he thought that like, if he admitted this, it would just end so terribly. And uh, there's so many situations in my life where I'm like, if I do this thing, if I come clean, or if I say this or admit that, it's just going to go so bad. And I'm already projecting, like, I'll lose my job, I'll lose my, you know, and I'll start thinking of all the what ifs and all the stuff that can happen and what's being, and, and what happens is I'm in kind, and what did he say? Encountered with widespread approval, like just the opposite happens. And it's because I think I know what's going to happen and I'm almost always wrong. <laughs> and um, it's really hard for me to stay, not so much anymore, but it is really hard for me to stay present. And, um, you know, I, I noticed that um, before I started working the steps this time, I would struggle at work, you know, when they would have a cake for a party or, and I don't, I'm sorry, I don't mean to mention foods, where they would have substances that I can't eat in the break room, not that I can't eat that I shouldn't, you know, that I choose to stay away from today because of, because I know what, what, where it will lead me. But I can tell you how many times I would see these substances and not eat. And people would say, oh, Nilda doesn't eat that. Don't offer it to Nilda because she doesn't eat that. Ha, ha, ha. And then I would come home and reward myself. And by reward myself, I would, I'm saying like, do a lot of damage, you know, a lot of damage to myself. And um, I'll tell you what I am uh what I have started to do, which the results are evident. Um, I do now uh, commit my food every morning. I, I tell my sponsor, these are the three meals I'm going to eat today. Um, and I, I don't waver from them. I, um, I weigh my food. Uh, I bought a scale. I had bought one many, many years ago when I first came into OA and it was collecting dust. Um, and this time I, I, I weigh it. And then um I um one of the things that I'm I'm learning a lot from is um at night uh doing my inventory and and checking what I had done all day and that that's still really hard for me to see on in black and white cuz I had you know there's so much still left to work on there's just and that's fine I mean I've accepted it but it's just like I just wasn't willing to do that before that's the main difference and then um so then this yeah. five minute warning Thank okay. you. You're welcome. Good. I was wondering where I was. Um, and the other thing is being in service in a way. So um, I, I never, I, met, like, I had said this before, I never thought I belonged. Um, I am 100% certain that I belong here today. Um, I've done the experiment time and time again. Um, I know what foods I can't put in my system. But um, more than that, uh, my sponsor would tell me all the time, you know, why are you so afraid to sponsor? Why are you so afraid to be in um, in service in a way? And won't you do a mini inventory on and find out what's going on? And, you know, I, what I've found is that before, since I didn't think that I was ready or that I thought people who saw me come in and out would judge me and think, is she really going to stick and stay this time? And I really don't think anybody is thinking that. It's just me. I don't believe in myself sometimes, but I don't have to. All I have to do is to believe that God, if I keep leaving the results up to him, he's going to make sure that, um, that I'm okay. And that I'm, and if I am not in service to other women in this program, I just didn't think I was good enough. Again, me, 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 me. And I was like, wait, 
if someone asked me to sponsor them in AA, I would jump to it in a heartbeat. If any service was asked of me in, in AA, I would jump to it. Why would I shun this fellowship? Why would I not be dedicated to this fellowship when I belong here? Why would, look, it makes me want to cry. So this is literally only my second time speaking. I did a dry run for a meeting in New York on Zoom two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. I had never spoken or shared my story in a way. I didn't think it was um, valuable. Clearly I was wrong. And um, I had never sponsored anybody in a way, even though I had gotten to the 12th step many times. And this time I'm sponsoring a woman in New Zealand. And I can't tell you how blessed I feel. I finally feel part of this program. So I might be short a couple minutes, but I'm gonna end it there because I can't stop crying. Thanks for letting me share.